and welcome to Habits and Bicycles, the sober podcast um, where we review episodes of Call the Midwife and today we are doing series four, episode four. Um, Guys, oh, Kim, Miss Kim. Mm. Miss Kim. No, you're Kim. Ms. Kim. Ms. Kim. Ms. Kim. Um, so Kim and Charlie and and Sam, who is also here, looming. In the background. <laughs> In the background, having a snack. Um, so guys, welcome to the podcast and I'm really glad that you've come today. Um, we're going to do this a little bit differently, aren't we, Kim? Yes, it's not going to be weird. Because we're going to be sober. I don't know, I'm pretty weird even sober. Are you? Mm, Having said that, I think I'm probably more weird sober. Beautiful. You guys have come to the right place. Um, So this is a sober podcast and there is a very good reason for that. Kim, do you want to explain why this is a sober podcast? Um, Okay, so I'm going to have to spoil it though. So this yeah, is, but they so, know what the episode. Okay, so guys, we've been building up with Trixie's alcoholism um, and issues around that for quite a few episodes now, and this is quite a big episode for her at the end. And we sort of felt that it would be nice to do it sober, out of respect for her as a character who's going through this, but also for anybody else that might have gone through alcoholism or alcohol dependency themselves, or had people in their families that have been through that as well and it just felt a bit a bit wrong to do it drunk I think that's yeah. about it yeah a bit distasteful so we had a we had a conflab so in that vein Kim what are you drinking so I'm drinking elderflower cordial nice fizzy water nice. lots of ice and massive chunks of cucumber that I'm then going to save and dip in some hummus that is frugal and nice. Would you like to see my cucumber? I would love to see your cucumber. That is a nice cucumber. Girthy. Big. It's crunchy. She bit it like a pro. And it's a bit of ASMR, isn't it? People you know like what? ASMR, like people watch videos and stuff of people eating. Sam, don't post a don't do that to me. That would be mean. If anybody would like to listen to Kim ASMR where she just eats different things on her microphone (laughs) do let us know um, in the comments because we would really like to know that comments also I was thinking as well guys for the people who are listening all six of you um, I'd like you to do us a big favor so we our podcast goes on to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Anchor um it would be really helpful if you guys could give us a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. I don't know whether you can do it on Spotify um, or leave a review. A, we'll be able to get to see it, which would be grand, but also it will help our podcast. So that'd be grand if you could do that. If you could just do it right now. We'll just stop. Go do it. Welcome back. Good guy. Well done. Thank you very much for that. We'd like um, to get to 10 listeners by Christmas because that'd be ace. Yeah, because Kim likes a big round number when she's going and eating everyone out. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> How is the um, tongue workouts going? 
It's all right. It's all right. I'm up to a 2.5k kettlebell now. Excellent. Excellent. How long can you keep it up? About four minutes. It's pretty impressive. (laughs) (laughs) What are you drinking, Charlie? (laughs) Thinking nothing. Right. um, We should also point out before we start that this is a bit of a weird one. So this is almost like Call the Midwife series four, episode eight point one. So in this Mm. podcast, we're going to not discuss any of the pupcake scenes. And there is a very good reason for that, because we reflected on our previous podcast and realised that we spent 45 minutes talking about a three minute scene. So (laughs) considering... (laughs) consider it or to take the blame um so we just thought that perhaps a whole episode where they have maybe 25 minutes worth of scenes it's potentially going to take up two hours to really crack that nut and um (coughs) go into the detail that Pupcake deserves so for that we have decided that we will do a whole episode just on the Pupcake scene so we're not going to touch upon um and also we didn't want to do the Pupcake scene sober because we're much more deep. <laughs> I, I go much deeper when I'm drunk. Kin's known for going deep. I've seen it written on pub walls. So we're going to um, just split it like that. And also, next episode, we're going to have a magical mystery guest. Woohoo! Um, woohoo! Um, if you guys like the idea of this format where we talk about the episode and then we talk about the cupcake, write a review. Go on, go and do it. So. <laughs> You're such a review whore. <laughs> yeah, I do want reviews. Do it. Um, so let's begin. Oh, I'm drinking tea, by the way. I just realised I just saw my <laughs> cup. Um, if anyone Any in particular... America... Um, Tesco's own brand tea bags, decaffeinated, because I want to go to sleep tonight. Okay. Yeah. Decaf tea. I just drink it for the taste. Really? Yeah. Okay, I believe you. (laughs) I love tea. If um, any Americans are thinking about joining me in having a cup of tea, please don't, please don't make it in the microwave. Please. Or, I I mean, come on now, we've got somebody here, producer Sam. Sam, who is our resident American. Sam, how would you make a cup of tea? Yes, Sam. How would you make a cup of tea? Sam tells all. Well, I dare not microwave it anymore because I will get yelled at. So I make it the proper way in the kettle. (gasps) You've got a kettle? Not not in the coffee machine anymore. Not anymore. No. I'm so proud of you. Do you know what that is? Growth. Thank you. Development. It's development. Anyone who makes it in a fucking microwave is just savage it's not the way it's supposed to be done okay no it's not good enough it's not tea it's not it's the devil's it's just... piss it's what yeah. you're doing Ugh. you're Nobody drinking the devil's, the devil's piss. piss microwave tea Mm-mm. no it's not the one It'd be too hot to start with wouldn't it devil's piss it would how would you... devil's piss would be boiling must be hot mm. it's very hot down there isn't it yeah you'd be drinking fire let's and brimstone see... tea let's piss. see ice is his bladder would that make it, it icy then, or would that make it room temperature? I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Yeah, next time we I'll, see him. 
I'll pray tonight to him instead. See if I get an answer. <laughs> Should we get on with the episode? Should we do the episode? Yeah. After Best what? Tad. Eight minutes worth of introduction. Uh, Sam can edit it down. Yeah. Oh, Sam will don't edit shake loads. Your head at me. I don't like it when you do that. She's such a tease. She's like, nothing will be edited. By the way, guys, people keep saying, um, I really hope one day we'll see all the outros for this podcast. Like, I really hope Sam one day, you know, gives us all the things you cut out. Guys, nothing is cut. (laughs) There are no outros. There are no, like, bloopers. (laughs) This is who we are. You're welcome. Right. Well, let's start with the episode. So it opens to Patsy doing her air in a mirror. Lots of mirrors in this opening theme. Mm. Um, So you see Patsy's reflection and you see Trixie just behind her, mirrored in the mirror, looking into another mirror while doing her face. You can see Trixie looking into a mirror. It's just all very, like, quantum. Um, And the It's very deep. Mm. Too deep on a cup of tea, mate. So, je- <laughs> you gonna eat some more cucumber? Just ad hoc. No, it's in the glass mm-hmm. now. I don't want to get my so, fingers wet. Makes change. <laughs> so, the Jenny monologue. Jenny talks about what do we see when we look in the mirror? Is it our truest self? who we'd rather be and she says some other stuff but i i was a bit distracted when i was writing my notes um so it's all it's all very deep <laughs> uh next scene no no hang on what stop what? don't what? they both have massive pouts on as well for no reason oh yeah <laughs> they what do what was that yeah. all about they're not, not just mirroring the makeup thing they're mirroring pouting as well I have to say, they both looked proper fit in this episode. Yeah, they did. I was feeling it. It's a a good look. I think their makeup was on point. I think this season is the best season for a lot of reasons, and the fact that everybody just looks stunning in it helps. It really does. Also, I feel like Delia's makeup was on point. We're not going to talk about it too much, but I do feel like, you know. Yeah, no (laughs) clown dresses in sight. No, they saved they saved a nice she has two dresses, it's nice. Mm. Um new scene. Fred and Violet are visiting Donatus. Violet is worrying about bringing flowers to the nuns because what will nuns think? Or you also notice her accent goes a bit more East End when she's nervous. Like she puts Ooh. on quite she's got like a posh telephone voice whenever she's doing anything official or she's at work. But if she's worried, she goes quite London. London. That's quite good London. acting, that, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think it's a very good... Subtle. Subtle, but different. You can tell when she's in an emotional state because she goes all cockney. Um, apples and stairs. No apples and pears, isn't it? I can't <laughs> even get my cockney rhyme and slang right. Fuck it uh, they're going to throw you out. You'll never be a Pearl King. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So she's just... <laughs> You're right. No. I don't know. No. That's so funny. <laughs> I oh, could see you pearly. in the little outfit. I don't want to be a bloody pearly king or queen, thank you. 
They're creepy. Do the do the Americans know what a pearly king or queen is? I think it's something different over there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so for, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Google it because they're they're a bit like a a myth. They're a British myth. They're a bit like um, Morris men. You have to see it to believe it. And um, they're mainly for tourism, really, aren't they? Are they? Or I don't know. What? Are they like there to beat anyone up who? I've, I don't know. Where did they come I... from? If anybody knows where the Pearl King and Queens came from, leave a review and tell us. So, um, Fred's proper chill about his flowers. She's like, he's like, um, and Violet says, Fred, it's an honour to visit the Nanartans. You wouldn't understand because you're not a woman. And then Fred goes, well, if I was a woman, we wouldn't be getting engaged. That's a subtle nod to um, the Patsy Delia dilemma. Yeah, that annoyed me. Did it? It annoyed me a yeah, little bit. Because it's like, come on, Heidi, you're going to throw it in our face every time. And I'm like, bleh, 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 bleh. hilarious. <sighs> Joke's on you. Because it works out. <laughs> New scene. Vangelina and Babs are trying to fix a chimney, um, which is blocked. Vangelina says it's blocked because Fred's been absent because he's in love. Monica Joan says it must be a bird's nest. And then she does the whole, like, it may be a jackdaw or a magpie, which would spell disaster. Um, any thoughts? What was that about? I don't know what. I don't get that. I don't get that. I thought it was if a bird flew into your window, it meant somebody was going to die. I know that I was always told by my godfather that if a tree falls on your car, it's considered very unlucky. <laughs> yes, surprising <laughs> that. Yeah. Same as when a bird falls on you. It's consider- oh, apparently that's a good thing. Apparently it means um, you're, gonna go- you're lucky and you're going to come into money. Yeah. Funnily enough, though, it happened to me. Um Three times in a row, walking into my bank. How really? ironic is that? <laughs> Bloody seagull! Did bastards. you come out with more money? No, I was going to pay things. I was coming out with less. To the bank to pay things anymore? Like trans- Well, it was like eighteen forty-seven, so I was doing transfers, like wire transfers. Did they have wire transfers in eighteen forty-four? They did in my bank. In my head, that I made up very quickly on the spot. (laughs) Um, I know that there's like the if the crows is it the crows or the pigeons ever leave the the Tower of London? No, No, the the (laughs) ravens. Ravens. If the ravens ever leave the Tower of London, then the city of London will fall because it goes back to Camelot, doesn't it? Camelot. Yeah. Yeah, King Art. No, because King Arthur was told if the ravens ever leave, then. And also, they can't dig up Bran the giant's head because the country will fall. That was also because he doesn't exist. Uh, have you? Well, we don't know because we never dug him up. But we shouldn't because I'm going to go and find him. Where's he supposed to be? London. In London, just randomly in London. Yeah. Well, they if, found if he's a, a king in a car park in Leicester. So <laughs> <laughs> they, if, he's sure... a, if he's a bloke, he'll be in the pub. So I'll start digging there first. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
uh, turns a soot, falls out on Evangelina, and oh, it's hilarious. Fred and Violet arrive, and Julienne takes the flowers and goes, Dahlia's, how extravagant. And Violet looks at Fred like, for fuck's sake, I'm not just <laughs> telling you. It's proper married moment. She's like, did I not just tell you before we left? She sort of does those eyes. You know when you're married and your other half gives you them eyes, like, read yeah. my mind. And you're like, mm, okay. Oh, enough. dear, I'm in trouble. Not even in trouble, it's just like, rah, rah, rah. yeah, you're okay, you were right. Um, dining room scene. Winnie has made Fred and Violet an engagement cake. Trixie's also, have you noticed in a lot of the group things, Patsy's not in any of them? She's she's in this scene. Yeah, the, but yeah, not a lot, especially at the end. She's just <laughs> gone. She's yeah, not it's, it's Heidi managing her screen time because of what's to come. Mm-hmm. So... They put down this cake and Trixie's pissed because she realises that they've reused the silver board underneath the cake, which apparently is illegal. Um, so Trixie wants them to throw it out and Winnie, everyone looks really pityingly at her, which must be terrible because Trixie must absolutely hate that. Um, and Winnie says it costs two and eleven. Nothings are thrifty, Trixie. They're never going to throw a board out. They might need it. The board a, things. I didn't really understand where she was going with it, though. I mean, just because it had your engagement cake on it, why? I didn't understand her annoyance, really, or her upset in that scene. I think because all the though, isn't she? But all the cutlery they were using would have been used at her lunch. All the plates they were using would have been at her lunch. The glasses, the chairs. It's a bit. <laughs> The people. The people but... were there. It just seemed a bit Same people. I think, though, for Trixie, like, I think she is hurting about the fact that she split up with Tom, isn't she? Like, and her alcohol is spiralling. She is depressed. So little things, little things are getting her down. Little things mean a lot. It's the details. Um, Bab Barbara then goes, don't worry, Trixie. I'm sure it won't bring them bad luck. Oh, get a bit of like dig. That's a dig. dig. Get you a JCB for that one, Babs. Um, yeah. And how terrible <laughs> to think that Tri like this basically says to Trixie, "Don't worry, your misfortune won't fall upon others." Yeah. Trixie left Tom. I feel like Trixie is to remind herself of that fact. Yeah, and she, she should have. Trixie is a yeah. strong woman. Yeah. Bless her. Um, next scene, Chummy! She's back! Woohoo! Woo! A baby. With a baby and Peter. They sat in the car, domestic fluff, the kids' toilet training. Um, Chummy says she's got two week course at the London, which is convenient. Peter's going off to see his parents with the baby. Again, convenient because Chummy needs to do chummy stuff, not mummy stuff. Um, <laughs> Chummy stuff, not mummy stuff. <laughs> I feel like that's she's a chummy mummy. <laughs> does, does Peter just nudge you with his elbow? Is it chummy stuff or mummy stuff today? <laughs> that would be so creepy. <laughs> Could you imagine? Chummy stuff or mummy stuff? <laughs> nothing. Be nothing for you. But I do think Chummy and Peter are really soft together. Yeah. It's cute. Also, um, Chummy, as she's leaving, Peter's like, oh, Chummy, don't forget your cake case. And she's like, oh, of course. 
I almost forgot. And you're like, oh, she's bought cake because Monica Joan. And oh, oh I bet it's not on a silver board. <laughs> then it's the engagement party again. Everybody's clapping. And why did people? I, I don't get engagement parties. I don't get them. I, I, I've never been. To I've one. never been to one. I don't know where they come from. Or I don't know. Like I know you celebrate the hems and the stag and the wedding, but the engagement seems a bit extra. Perhaps it was in the days where they had engagements that were quite long because they were saving up to get married together and live together, and it was an excuse for people to give them stuff. But I'd imagine at that time period, you couldn't fuck unless you were married. So they had very short engagements, didn't they? Like you met a guy at a train station, you were like, you're nice. You go on a date and then he's like, do you want to get married? And you're like, yes. <laughs> and then you get married next week. That's kind of the timeline for most of the heterosexual call the midwife marriages. Um, Unless you're okay. a lesbian and then you don't talk to each other much for most of the series. And then, and then one of you goes off to another to country. A bike. And then Delia versus Car. So oh. safe sex people. Um, but yeah, so it's the engagement party, and um, everyone's clapping and asking questions. And they say, Oh, the wedding's going to be really imminent. Vi's son is in the Navy, and he's due some leaves. So they want to book it in around that time. Fred says his, one of his daughters in Australia, Peggy, um, and then Marlene is Marlene. in Birmingham. Marlene. Marlene. Um, and they go, oh, is she, will she be at the wedding? And he's like, well, I've told her, but there's been no reply yet. And they're like, she'll be so happy that you're getting married. She's so happy. What a wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Chubby rings the doorbell to the artist. Monica Joan answers the door and accepts the cake tin with a plum because she loves cakes. Um, the cake tin, however, is holding Chummy's mum's ashes, um, which really threw me when I watched this because I forgot about this storyline. I had as well. Oof, really surprised me. So she's just walking around with her mum's ashes in a cake tin. Yeah. It's a, it's a really bad version of, you know, when you're a kid and you go to your nan's and you'd see a box of celebration chocolates and you'd open it up and it was a fucking sewing kit. It's like yeah. that, but <laughs> you get really or excited. Photos. It was always photos. photos. <laughs> Don't touch me photos, leave them. <laughs> I just wanted Do you know a... what my nana sounds like? <laughs> I just wanted a fudge penny. Um, oh, oh! What Finger was your favourite? It's just a nice. I like I like the country fudge. Do you? Yeah. No. I always liked I like the penny. My my granddad used to save them for me. The pennies. Too hard. No, they were his favourite though, and they were my favourite. So when he used to, when I was little, I'd go and sit on his lap, and we'd he'd have this little stash of pennies, and we'd be like, yes. <laughs> Everybody else. <laughs> New scene. Uh, it's the community centre. Trixie turns up alone. And I did notice with this episode, every time you see Trixie going somewhere, she's alone. And I think that's quite stark in comparison to how it's usually set. Because it's usually yeah. like three abreast down a very narrow alley and stuff like that on bikes. It's usually a group attending. But she's always entering and exiting places on her own in this episode. She's very isolated. Yeah, I did notice that. They're playing that 
a big time. Nah, I th- I thought it was quite a clever way to do it. Um, I do also do think whenever Trixie's about, she's very. They've done something with her makeup, like her makeup's a bit darker around her eyes. I don't know. Yeah, she's got that heavier eyeliner at the moment on the top lid, hasn't she? Is she not yeah, had which that makes before, her look though? She's had it before, but it tends to be a more elongated flick. It's much shorter and a bit thicker, which makes her eyes look more closed. Okay. And she's got a slightly darker lipstick, which doesn't match her pallor. Um, Maureen, um, so it's the community <laughs> centre. Um, she still looks good, just slight difference with the makeup. Um, Carol is this chick with a baby. Um, she sees a lady called Maureen, who's this week's mum. Mum of the week. Mum of the week. Um, Maureen says she's pregnant, um, so she's come to the right place, but seems sad. Um, she's asked where her husband is and goes, oh, he's away at sea. Um, and, um, Carol, (laughs) and Carol's like, righto. Um, so she's raising the children alone. Um, and it turns out that Carol's recently been rehoused. And I just thought this was, again, another nice little thing they're dipping in about how the East End's population is changing up because her friend, was obviously living near her that's how they know each other and now she's been rehoused into these flats so Mm. it's breaking up communities so whereas if before that someone had a problem they'd knock on their neighbor's door next you know next door and be like can you give us something they don't really have that now because there are houses that are going to be flattened there are areas that are being shut down people are being put into new places and communities are being broken up and because no Mm. one can afford a phone you know yeah you can't really keep in contact and you lose contact. So this is the breaking up of the massive East End community and making it more what is now it's very modern borough. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a prelude to, but then it's a prelude to the old East Enders then moving out more into to Essex and to Kent. Yeah. Um, come a few decades down the line as well so this whole you know next 50 years onwards the east end it completely changes in character over time yeah it's it's a really interesting part of social history Mm. i like that they include it yeah yeah how it affects communities is really really interesting yeah so sheila says that the vaccinations um are being pushed back because dr t is busy I have to say, Dr. Turner's always like, I must go to this emergency. I do feel like Dr. Turner does need another doctor in that surgery. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my doctor's surgery has, like, I had a big doctor's surgery. There was, like, 14 doctors Mm. that covered a very small area, okay? He's one doctor, and I know he's, like, the pregnancy doctor, but he's also the doctor that, like, does cold sniffs, diseases, and all that. So he's, like, a GP. Oh, he is a GP, yeah. With a penchant for pregnant women. Um, <laughs> how does he, how does that work? Like, there should be another doctor. Oh, absolutely. Heidi, if you're listening, maybe he's got a brother? I don't know. Or, you know, life could imitate art. And we could have that Dr. Joanna woman come in from that fic is it a matter Ah. of trust yeah that'd be quite cool (laughs) that would be good 
I, yeah, actually, I quite like the lady doctor. I think we could do, yeah, um, lady GP. Yes, a lady GP. So, um, Carol is really chatty and says, well, While I'm here, I'll feed my baby then. And she's marveling about this newfangled baby food. Whereas before, <laughs> I'm assuming, like, I know obviously they used to make baby food and put it in jars, but she makes it sound like before they had this, they would like, I don't know, put some bread in their mouth, chew it, and then, or something like. Oh, wow. No, like birds. Vile. Uh, <laughs> or um, like flies. Yeah. No, flies don't do that, do they? Yeah, they, they regurgitate and stomp, don't they? Mash it up and then suck it up. What, and then give it to their babies? No, fly yeah. larvae doesn't. No, wow. that's how they feed themselves. Wow. That's I feel like, an image. I feel like we've gone a bit David Attenborough now, <laughs> haven't we? Um, but yeah, so she starts feeding their baby. She opens the jar and Maureen immediately starts ralphing. She can't be dealing with it. She's like... <laughs> um, everybody looks away in shock and horror that a woman has vomited. It's a community centre for pregnant women. You're telling me that no one's ever vomed? It's probably because it's in the handbag. Yeah. I mean, that's a bit grim, isn't it? Because you've still got to use your handbag and what's in it. Ah, just a ble- bit of bleach. You'd be grand. Can you, ma- can you um, imagine like trying to repowder your face and flicking bits of carrot off the mirror? <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I don't think she can eat anything. It's probably just bile. Um, so... I was just thinking in my notes to say, introduction of baby food, modern conveniences are starting to appear. Um, all mod cons. All the mod cons from the never never. Um, in the next scene, Marlene arrives <laughs> at um, Poplar. Um, she does look like a pantomime villain, doesn't she? Yeah. She all looks right, like, all right, everyone's like, all right, Marlene, and she's like, all right, all, all right, right, my love. She's, she's wandering down the street. Like, <laughs> she looks like a fucking gangster. <laughs> she um, does. She fucking does, doesn't like she? She's got Quentin this big Tarantino coat. film. Like, <laughs> you expect her to get a gun out and just start shooting everybody on the side. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so Fred's ironing. Um, it is best. He's in his best a lot for this episode, isn't he? Yeah. Trying to show I think that he, he was needs like, to be taken care of. Yeah. Because without a woman, Fred's just vest. Yeah, There's any man in a vest him. needs something more in his life. It does. Although women in a vest look quite fetching. <laughs> yes. Especially <laughs> if they've got a tool belt as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <clears throat> so Fred's hiding. Marlene lets herself in. <laughs> Fred's surprised, but happy to see her. And she's like, did you? He goes, oh, Marlene, did you get my letter? And she goes, yes, I did, Dad. Wow, 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 wow. You seen. Maureen <laughs> is being treated by Evangelina. Um, Maureen mentions that she's vomiting a lot. She can't stand the sound of tea or milk or life. Barbara brings her <laughs> a cup of tea. Um, and she's like, thank you very much. Put it over there. No, further away. Further away. It's one of them like, fuck off. And when you get there, fuck off some more. Because I don't want it. But she's very polite. Um, new scene. Che Trix. Trix is on her own. In a very dark room. 
She fucking looks stunning in this part, like scene, by the way, in that black thing. Oh, yeah. How fit does Trixie look in that episode? Yeah. It's very hard to concentrate on the beating of the egg when she's dressed like that. I know. Um, Also, have you noticed that her colour scheme is very dark? Like it used to be pinks and yellows and white and that kind of stuff and it kind of went to greens and darky colors and now she's just wearing black yeah when she's not she's either in her uniform or she's wearing black yeah my girl be mourning she's sad she's got some depression going on Bless yep. her. so Trixie's whisking eggs because she's gonna make herself a bar- uh, face mask have you ever tried this face mask no Why would when I... I was at school my friend was really girly and she was like, let's do the egg egg white face mask. Don't leave it on for, don't fall asleep with it on your face. Because the next morning you will wake up and assume you've had a stroke. Because <laughs> your face, it's <laughs> oh like face God. glue and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's really. looking face. <laughs> it just like. It tightens everything, but um, A, it doesn't last, and B, it's fucking grim. Don't do it. Um, But I think my friend read the same magazine as Trixie did. So Chummy comes in and does the knock, knock at the door. (sighs) I hate it when people do that. Why? Just fucking irritates. Just come in. Actually knock on the door or just come in. Don't. Don't open the door, walk in, and then go knock, knock. Okay. I'll remember that. I'll just open your front door then when I turn up. Yeah, feel free. Um, Like a stalker. (laughs) Can't stalk the willing. So, (laughs) Chemi comes in. (laughs) And then immediately assumes that Trixie is hungover. So, I'm assuming that, like, drinking egg whites is something you do with a hangover. Uh, raw egg, isn't it? Raw egg and tomato juice. Um, but yeah, because literally Chummy comes in and goes, Oh, poor you, you must be hungover. So she, even Chummy, knows that Trixie drinks really heavily, and Chummy's not been in this series much. Yeah, I think everybody knows, don't they, at this point? It's not, it's, it's, the, it's the least well kept secret in Poplar. Mm-hmm. And Trixie is quite irritated at that, and she's like, How can I be hungover? That it's not even morning. I haven't had, you know, I can't be hungover because it's too early in the day, which she's not defending the fact that she will have a hangover. She's defending the fact that it's the wrong time of day, which is an interesting thing because a lot of people who abuse substances or who have uh, addiction with of anything, really, they tend to have, especially when they're going down in the spiral, they have rules, it's very common that people will come in and sort of go, oh, you know, I, I may have problems, but I don't drink on a Tuesday or I don't drink after this period and stuff like that. And it doesn't actually lessen their addiction. It's just personal little rules that people say makes it OK. It's interesting. Um, so Chummy talks about um, being glad to be back and how the place smells of palm olive soap. Trissy. Trixie then whisks those eggs faster than Superman. Like she t- morphs into Superman and goes from just normal eggs to like m- meringue type fluff 
with only a few little flicks of her wrist. Maybe she's got fingers that double up as like a whisk. Literally, it's like shaving foam that she pats on her face. And two seconds ago, she had just raw eggs cracked. They're stiff peaks, aren't they? They're very stiff. She could turn that whole thing upside down. Yeah. Honestly. She should be a baker or something. Bet Tom's a bit sad because if she's that fast whisking an egg. Um, So... Me, me and Sam are waiting for you to finish that sentence. <laughs> so Trixie begins to apply the protein mask and says that her complexion's at a crossroads between youth and old age, which fucking hell. is it? Is that is it? Just youth and old age? Is that are they the two life cycles we have? Is that it? Yeah, the two you ages can either be of young women. or old. So we've so we've gone from like. Was it Goldie Horn said that there are three age ranges for women in Hollywood? There's mm-hmm. Babe, District Attorney, and Driving Miss Daisy. Those are the three <laughs> age groups for women in Hollywood. <laughs> so in Britain, we've got one fewer. Is that what you think? That's this what Tricks is saying. You, I'm in between youth and old age, and I'm like, we cut off. out District Attorney. <laughs> Yeah, but I watched, like, seriously, when Tricks is like, my complexion's not good, I was like... <sighs> She's amazing. She looks gorgeous. So fucking fit. They could have at least put a fake spot on her or something, you know. But she does say... Um... That she's noticed she's got, um, she's starting to have lines under her eyes and she's um, had a pimple, which is interesting because if she is drinking heavily, she'll be more dehydrated. So that's going to change the pH balance and she will start to have spots and she will start to get wrinkles. It's quite common for alcoholics to start to have bad skin and breakouts. So um, I think her alcoholism has kind of declined her to such a state that it's starting to affect her physiologically if you don't by the way if for anyone who has the odd drink and stuff like that don't worry about it that's fine what i'm saying is that if you're someone who doesn't have any spots alcoholics tend to if you ever meet with an alcoholic um look at their skin it's fucking terrible um you also notice with trixie (laughs) there's um no eye contact and she gives really short replies yeah, I'm sure the smoking doesn't help either, to be fair. Yeah, the smoking's probably not, <laughs> probably drying her skin out even more. Um, yeah. Um, so Chummy says that she's also noticed that she's um, not looking her best, which is a shame because I think Miranda Hart is beautiful. Mm. She as well looks really good in this scene, I thought. Yeah. Everyone's makeup was on point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they decide to share the face mask. Mm. Trixie seems very mature here, I thought. You can definitely see a growth in her. Yeah. Mm, don't know. She, she's do just think? seemed down all the time at the moment. I can't really get beyond that. I can't see anything else, to be fair, apart from just down, depressed. Even when she's happy in some scenes, there's still an, there's still something in her eye, isn't there? There's still some underlying unhappiness or cloud over her yeah and I thought it's very interesting the way they shot this scene again whenever Trixie is just doing something so the final scene we'll talk about how they shot that but with this one Chummy is on the right Trixie's on the left and they're separate so it's very much a, a halved frame there's like a distinctive line between the two of them 
and they're separate and Trixie is kind of I think is a way to emphasize even the way they're shooting it that Trixie is isolated like mm. even when she's around other people and you often hear people who say that they're depressed they could be in a room full of people and still feel alone because yeah. that's what the depression does depression makes you feel isolated and mm -hmm. your mind plays tricks on you and you start to you know compare and despair and have all those negative thought processes um new scene marlene is rearranging <laughs> fred's sideboard <laughs> she's also checking for dust like she's kim or aggie from how clean is your house um then they have a couple running a finger um, over everything fred's so sweet to her though um marlene says well at least that violet's keeping the dust down um which <sighs> internalized Anyway, um, Fred points out just it's just misogyny. It's just internalized misogyny. Like he needs mm. the wife to keep his house clean. Fred was in yeah. the army and he's lived alone for ninety, like fifteen years, hasn't he? Since his wife yeah, died. Yes, like So I'm pretty sure Fred's capable of cleaning his own house. Yeah. No, it was. I think it was a backhanded dig at Violet, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's where um, it's coming from. Fred points out that Violet isn't his cleaner. He's more than capable of keeping his house clean. She's got her own place and job. Um, Marlene says that she doesn't really understand why they're getting married. Fred said that he's going to move in with Violet once they've got married. Once they've done the deed, that's what he calls it. Um, they're gonna. He's going to put his flat up for sale and um, move in with Violet. Um, Marlene then sort of freezes and says. I've been thinking, you know, you're not talking thinking sense, Dad. Um, I can't understand why you're doing this. And I'm going to stay until you change your mind. Oh, she'd be out on her ear. I'd tell her to yep. fuck off. Get out of my ass. Get out of my pub. Um, just <laughs> don't be like, eh, no, Marlene. Um, so <laughs> back to Shay, Trixie. Trixie and Chubby have now covered their face with egg whites. I really hope they don't sleep in them. Um, yeah. Mm. They're still very separate. So Chummy is definitely on the right. Trixie's on the left. Chummy's the one that really talks. Trixie doesn't. And Trixie looks quite absent at the start. And she laughs a few times at jokes. But... Um, so Chummy's talking about her mum. She's talking about she doesn't know where to scatter her mother's ashes. Maybe get her out of the biscuit tin, Chummy. Um Trixie's just not interested, um, but she does laugh at a few of the jokes. Um, it's very dim lighting again. And um, it's intimate, isn't it? The setting's intimate, but they're not facing each other. They're not looking at each other. They're looking at the camera. Yeah. It's, it's almost like yeah. parallel conversations. Yeah. And they're having different conversations in their head as well. Mm. To, what, to, to the conversation. On... Yeah. The conversation they're having outwardly is not the conversation that's going on in their heads. And you do see that sometimes. You see two people talking, it's parallel. So they're not engaging with one another. They're both having their own conversation, but they're just sounding off against one another. They don't actually need a response. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting because Chummy is the one that's offloading here. Trixie isn't saying anything, even though Trixie has her own demons going on. Um, and at the very end, Trixie reaches and holds Chummy's hand and all of a sudden it's kind of like connecting them because they're so, and it kind of brings to the fore how 
separate they are within this two this scene. They're like they're not. It's not like a normal scene where two characters are talking and they're moving around. They're just sitting, staring at. A, if you imagine it in reality, it'd be two people just sat at the end of a bed, staring at a wall, not looking at each other. Yeah, it's weird. It is Another weird communication. I hadn't thought of it that way. It's an interesting way that they've framed Trixie. Whenever she's with someone, she's not looking at anyone. She's got really poor eye contact. And I think that just shows how depressed she is. Like she just can't tolerate it. It's very isolating and she's just very alone. Um, You make me feel sad. I feel sad for Trixie. This made me Mm. feel really bad for her. And that final scene, amazing. Yeah. So Trixie then arrives at um, Mrs. June Dillon. I think her name's June. It's definitely Dillon. I can't remember her first name. I think it is They do that thing again, though, where they don't give the woman's name. She's just Mrs. something. Yeah. Until she gives birth. I don't know why they do that. Mm, Not sure. Hadn't noticed. Heidi, sort it out. Um. So Trixie arrives at Mrs. Dillon's house, um, opens the door and lets herself in. And this woman is ironing and is deaf. So she, I mean, that's quite dangerous, isn't it? To leave your door unlocked. And especially if you can't hear, like that makes her quite vulnerable. Yeah, but it's the 1950s, isn't it? I know. If anyone was going to come in, left all they do is steal open. your mangle. <laughs> Jesus, they can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There were people like in the old days, you could leave your doors unlocked and nobody would come in because no one had anything to, worth fucking stealing. It was a mangle. That was it. That was all you could steal. <laughs> <laughs> fucking have it. <laughs> Take it. I don't want it anymore. It's crap. Um, <laughs> so um, Trixie kind of greets her, comes up behind her and taps her on her shoulder. And the woman doesn't jump. I don't know about you, but if I was ironing, and I couldn't hear anything. And it, someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like this close to my face. I would freak out. I would jump. Yeah, but that's because she might. she's probably used to that, though. Yeah, I was thinking that. No. So she's probably acclimatised to people doing things like that to her. Because mm. that's how some people will get, get her attention. It might be her husband coming home early. Yeah. Um, she might be expecting the midwife yeah well they they are expecting it because the husband when he comes in says that he promised he would be there for the midwife appointment so maybe she's left the door unlocked for that purpose actually it's a good point Um, Trixie's really good in this scene like um, she manages well she does continue to talk to her um, which I understand because she must be in her own groove. It must be difficult to swap that around. But they do eventually write stuff down. Yeah. Um, and um, I found it really interesting. So she's interpreting the sign as well. So like Trixie's having an old chat to her and she sort of says to her, look, I'm sorry, I need to see your lips. Uh, I lip read. Um, and Trixie interprets the sign really well, which is good. I was really impressed. Um <laughs> The husband arrives and explains how he, he obviously he's hearing um, and he explains that he learned sign as soon as he met her because um, he just knew that he wanted to be with her and immediately knew he had to find a way to talk to this woman, which is so romantic. Yeah, lovely um, couple. And they have They're a lovely really couple. Really quite. Yeah. 
And they have um, a little bit of couple banter where she says his sign shit. Um, <laughs> um, I also find it really interesting because there's a load of shit. This is the 50s, right? So at this point, any child that was deaf was sent to special school. Um, they weren't allowed in the general schooling system. They were sent to, um, literally, they were called special schools. Um, so there was a huge segre segregation. So if you were a deaf child with deaf parents, you were slightly more protected, but it was still the norm for you to almost go to like a boarding school. Um, and it's these schools were not very well run. Um, it was a very abusive environment um, and it's a big scar within the deaf community, these schools, and it only really got abolished in the 70s and then they moved more to, but at this point, um, she wouldn't have, there was some of the school, most of the schools actually refused to let deaf people sign. Um, they would like tie their hands under to chairs and stuff like that. And they would force them to lip read and to That's mime. Awful. So it's really difficult for a deaf person to speak. A lot of deaf people um, are mute um, or they'll make little sounds and stuff, but obviously it's an unconscious thing. And if you're, if you're born deaf, um, you're never you've never heard anything so why would you make a sound you don't know what sounds are um, some people lose their hearing and sometimes they still talk but it's so unique to each individual but at the time especially at this time she would have been forced to learn to lip read um, and I'm really surprised that like she's signing so I'm assuming that shows that she has a parent that was super supportive and taught her sign because she wouldn't have been taught it in school. Um, and she wouldn't. And the deaf community is one of those very closed communities um, because they were so isolated. It's kind of changed and it's so, it's so different now, but mm. interesting. That is it. I didn't know that. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, there's like generations within the deaf community and you've kind of got the older generation that are very old school and most of them will lip read and they do sign and also like British Sign Language BSL is like a standardized standardized sign language but it's regional so every area has different mimes um, for different words like toilet there's about five six different ways you can go I need the toilet um, but and you can but they got rid of all of that when they banned sign language. So it's starting to make a comeback and it's a really amazing thing to be seeing all these <laughs> regional dialects popping up again um, because it, everyone would be sent to a school. So they kind of taught each other. It's really cool. If you want to read about it, please go do some research because it's mm. fucking amazing. And the deaf community's ace. Um, new scene. Um, it's a dinner scene. Everybody's discussing the Dylans. Um Trixie reports that the husband was a really good translator, it went really well, and he's going to stay for the birth. Um, Ooh, controversial. Um, Evangelina loses her shit, as per usual. Everybody is shocked, which is so weird, because now you think if someone having, is having a baby, they want their partner there. Yeah. It's just... It's unbelievable that they're so anti it. I don't really understand what, what they don't actually they don't give any kind of real good reason why the father shouldn't be there, though. It's all 
sort of really ill-explained why they're so against it. It's just like it, this is a woman's thing. Only women can be in the birth because if a man sees, as, I don't know what it is because I feel like I some men would really want to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's their child as well at the end of the day. Do they not want to see, you know, how it comes into the world? Be there yeah. when it takes its first breath and its first cry? I mean, that's a special moment. It is. I mean, like, now you, there's loads of, like, videos of people giving birth, isn't there? And the dad's always there and he's always like, I love you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> they always cry, don't they? <laughs> and you're like, aww. aww. Um, but... And Phyllis says she did once see a man attend the birth of his child. Um, it was an artistic family um, <laughs> and the man painted. <laughs> um, like, why would a man faint? I suppose like if you're really squeamish, but also I imagine men don't really know at this time because there's not a lot of education. Like there's not a lot of, so boys are taught boys things and girls are yeah. taught girls but even at that point like people weren't properly educated on health and sex and you know there just wasn't that education mm. so I suppose there's a lot of ignorance so if you're like how does it come out I've never never actually been told oh I want to oh god I thought it come out the sunroof I thought she had a button and a belly button you just press that and the baby come out but no it's like watching your favorite pub burn down um <laughs> so he <laughs> um tricks is adamant though that mr dylan's gonna come for the birth cynthia says that she knows some sign um so she can help out and julianne agrees i love that cynthia knows some sign by the way i think yeah good for it's cynthia. quite cool uh the next scene is a cupcake scene where they agreed to live to together Next scene, Marlene arrives. <laughs> Feels not weird. Into it. Feels <laughs> weird. Um, Marlene arrives at Violet's shop, like the pantomime villain that she is. She should have <laughs> green lighting and some green smoke, and there should be people going boo. His boo. Um, she should be throwing sweeties out into the. <laughs> um, Violet's lovely to audience. That's the word. Um, Violet's lovely, um, but a bit resigned. And she's like, hello, Marlene. Doesn't she? Marlene just looks like a bully. Yeah, like every bully you've ever met in your life. Literally, she looks like the bully that bullied me in primary school. <laughs> just yeah. face like a smacked ass. Um, so Violet's lovely. Um, or <laughs> smacked ass or a bulldog chewing a wasp. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good expression. Um, so Marlene talks about her mum buying them ribbons, and Violet goes, "Yes, I remember. Uh, yellow for you, blue for your sister." Um, and then Marlene gets out this packet of cigarettes, <laughs> and um, yeah. so rude. so disrespectful. Yeah. And um, she goes, "Do you want to? Do you want to smoke?" And Violet says, "Oh no, because you know it does cling to all of my. I'm a haberdasher. All of it clings to my shit." And then nobody <laughs> wants to buy it because it smells of smoke. And Violet's like, it's mentholated. It's got a beautiful scent. And off she goes smoking. And at that point, be nice to mine it. I hated it. Um, yeah, I didn't like that scene. I don't like her. Ma no. 
Marlene just rods her off completely, has a fag. Um, Marlene says that no woman can take her mum's place. Um, and then she insinuates that Fred loves Violet for her money. Mm, that was and mean. He says that, you know, Violet's his gold mine and he, he doesn't really love her because he only loves her mum, which mm. really upsets Violet and makes her really paranoid. Yeah. Um, my notes just say Marlene leaves like a sea. I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> Come on, say it. No. Come on, do it. Save the podcast. I can't. No, do it anyway. Um, Marley leaves like I see you next Tuesday. Um, next oh. scene, Trixie is running a mother's class. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Dillian arrive. Um, and Cynthia is translating for her to lie down. Um, the women are then like, Oi, why is there a man in the class? And rather than being like, a man is seeing us in our yoga outfits on yoga mats in the hall. Um, they're more like, oh, can we bring our husbands? So there is clearly a shift culturally. Women are mm. starting to go, no, I do want my husband there. Yeah. Yeah. I want some support. He got me this bloody way. You can come and bloody be here as well. Yeah, that'd be my, like, um, Mrs. Dillon is anxious about being there. Because if you think, like, she probably hasn't, has, it's very isolated. Like, no one speaks her language. Mm. Very the nice thing with sign language is that you can kind of work it out. Yeah. We were quite lucky in work. We had a lady who, um, you know, like work pays for you to do courses and things for various things. We had mm. a lady that went on a British sign language course in work. So when anybody ever came in, she would always deal with them for inquiries yeah. and things. It was really handy because you'd be surprised how many people out there do sign. Yeah, no, it's true. It's actually quite, um, but it's also a really closed community. Like they all know each other. Yeah. Well, this there was there was one lady that used to come in just to have a chat with the with my friend who signed. Yeah, because it was it's really so interesting. Cute. You just no, see them in reception, just chatting. There was actually a really cute video um, where there it's in certain America, and this young boy, he's deaf. And his mum has basically done this. They've done this thing where they've taught every single person that he sees that day to sign. So it's almost like, so he gets up with his mum, they get in a taxi and the taxi driver's like, where to um, in sign. And this, you can see this person, this kid being like, and replies and it's like, okay. And they drive in and then they go to like McDonald's or something. And the McDonald's person's like, what do you want? And they sign in. And this, you can see his mind being blown. And then they <laughs> like cool. go to a shop and all the people in the shop have been taught to sign. So they're like, good morning, good morning. And you can see him being like, what is happening? Then they go to the cashier and everybody, the cashier's signing. And then they, it's just the, hot, the entire day from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep, everyone that he meets signs. And he cries at the end. It's really sad because he's like, everyone's talking to me. I can talk to people. Everyone wants to. And I'm like, well, people should learn sign. What, um, what's, what is that? Oh, I'll have to send you the link. It's so sweet. I think I don't think he's a boy. I think he's a man. OK. Actually. Um, I'll have to find it because it's so good. I'd like to um, see that. It's a really, really good. And he doesn't know. Like, um, it's almost... They, I think the title was like, we're pranking a deaf guy. But actually, so when I watched it, I was like, 
Oh. But actually, it's so wholesome. It's mm. really sweet. Um, so, yeah. It's nice. yeah. Next scene, Fred pops in to see Violet at a shop and he's bought her some meringues. Um, Violet's closing down her till and Fred makes a joke that they can paper their wall pots when he moves in with all that money. And Violet's like, oh, it's, it's true! It's true! Because the best way to create any kind of conflict is don't have your characters have a conversation. Um, <laughs> next scene after that is another popcake scene where Patsy asks to move out. Uh, new scene, Barbara is with Maureen, who is more sick. So this is the woman who was sick earlier. She can't even drink a cup of tea. Um, the baby is crying because he's hungry. And um, Maureen's, and Babs is like, what are you feeding him? He says, oh, I'm giving him Farley's rusks. But he doesn't like them hard. He wants them softened in milk. But she, the moment she says the word milk, she starts yakking up in the sink. Um, so even the word milk is making her vom. Mm. So Maureen is really isolated. Um, obviously, all her friends have been rehoused. Uh, she says her mum lives away um, in Bermondsey and they don't talk. And her husband actually doesn't work at sea. He's in prison for three years. So she's Aww. got no one to help her. She's isolated. She hasn't got any friends or family. Um, and she's really sick. So Barbara calls Sheila. Um, and Sheila says, Dr. Turner's already out on a visit. And he's got nothing in his books. You know what helps, Sheila? You know what really help? Another doctor. Another doctor. Another Prime doctor. example. Prime example. See what I mean? These things wouldn't be missed if there was at least... They really need, like, six doctors. The oh, yeah, to cover all the night calls as well. Yeah, like, do when does Dr. Turner sleep? I don't think he does. I think that's why he started looking so craggy. Yeah. That and the Boy facts. Needs vitamin D. Yeah. He needs, he needs an egg white facial. And also, they make kids, don't they? Because she gets pregnant soon. So, like... How are they fitting all that? How are they making this all work? Because they've got a small child. They've got Tim. Yeah, they've got... Probably, a, probably a tea break, isn't there, on the desk? It's probably how they did it. Yeah. She probably bought him a cup of tea and that was up. it. <laughs> Just wait when Miss Higgins brings in one when she's in the next season. <laughs> Dr. Turner, I disapprove entirely. Um, <laughs> this was not so... in my job description. <laughs> Um, so yeah so hard cheese to you Maureen you'll just have to get more sick Fred and Violet then meet at the dock which as we all know meeting at the dock is the kiss of death yeah um, oh dear Trixie and Tom were having trouble in strife they yep. uh, met up at the docks when Patsy and Delia in the pier scene that we'll never see docks yeah <laughs> like it all goes down Just, at the docks. Honestly, everything goes down at the docks. Do not the have a meeting with... They do a lot of going down at the docks. Um, known for it, in fact. Um, so, Violet tells Fred about Marlene. Um, Violet asks Fred if he's made any plans for his future. Basically asks him what his prospects are. Um, and he's like, he doesn't really get where it's following. He's a bit lost. Um, mm. And she says that she doesn't. He's he's not asked her to marry him for the right reasons. He doesn't really love her. Um, he's just after her money. And then she pulls off a ring and says, "I think we should end this, Fred." Just gives him the ring and leaves. Yeah, it's so sad. No, it is sad because they are really well suited. 
they are and then you just see fred walking home and he's so gutted and um marlene is smug she makes him a cup of tea and she's like see you always said that you know tea is the greatest thing on earth which it is marlene but not the moment and fred <laughs> is just like sad she goes sit with trixie yeah um Back at the community centre, Barbara takes a call. She's got some more um, Maureen's son and nursery space. Evangelina is very not disapproving, but she's like, mm, fine, um, and says that Barbara's really compassionate, which is very true. And that's mm. the scene. Um, Excellent, loved it, loved every minute yeah. of it. Uh, Chummy's then in the chapel, chilling with her dead mum in a biscuit tin. Um, Monica Joan, <laughs> like. That is literally what she's doing. She's just chilling in the chapel with her dead mum. Stop carrying her around with you, Chubby. It's weird. I just I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine carrying a ashes of somebody around with me. It's just I don't know. You can get like ashes put into rings and stuff. Oh my god, really? Yeah, my mum was always like, if anything happens to your dad, I'm gonna get him made into some earrings. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> and I was like, and she went, I'll get him made into to like a necklace for you. And I was like, I am not walking around with my dad in a necklace. That's so fucking weird. Like, yeah. You can get like people, um, someone, what celebrity was it? Wanted their ashes shot out of a cannon. Was it Johnny right. Depp? Johnny Depp wants his ashes shot out of a cannon. Why? Why not? Where's, where, where are they going to fire the cannon? Wherever they want to. It's a fucking cannon. Who's going to say no? Yeah, but they're not going to fire it at someone, are they? Are they going to like go and find some Syrian pirates or something and Somalian pirates and fire it at them? <laughs> Why did you correct it? Like, this will be more PC. <laughs> no, because like... All, no all pirates them... will be harmed in the firing of cannons. Might be like his last Captain Jack thing to do. Do you want it? It's just like people are funny, aren't they? Do they want to be buried or cremated? I want a woodland burial. What's a woodland burial? They just bury you in a cardboard box in a wood. Fair enough. I want like wildflowers to grow out of me and I want to protect a hive of bees. I want to single handedly save all the bees with wildflowers growing out of my rotting corpse nice it's my gift to the world it's a nice gift i think that's a nice gift <laughs> from death comes beauty i want to get can eat the honey. My wife... <laughs> she's gonna die the way you lived <laughs> <laughs> i've got um me and my wife have got a deal whoever dies first can be buried facing up and then whoever dies second has to be buried facing down <laughs> on top of the other person. And I want random shit put in the coffin just to mess with any, like, um, people who excavate our grave in, like, 200 years. <laughs> so I want, like, my friend who's a woodworker, I want him to make some weird deity and stick it in there. So they'd be like, ah, this was a... This was some sort of religion that they followed. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> my wife's like, I'm going to die first. And I'm like, no. <laughs> because whoever's on top, they're going to have to either bury them facing the wrong way in the coffin, or they're going to have to flip the coffin and hope the nails. <laughs> it's going to be great fun. <laughs> But I was like, they'll have to arrange our arms and stuff so we're kind of like in symmetry. Otherwise, it'll look like I've got an elbow in your face. You're not going to know. Yeah, but the archaeologists will be like, what was going on here? You think the coffin's going to stay? Absolutely. No, the coffin will go. That's the point. The coffin will go, but the skeleton will just sink on top. Okay. I've got it all planned out. So, next scene. <laughs> I, hang on, I want to know what's happening with Sam Yeah, Sam, what are you doing? What's your plans? We we haven't gotten there yet I don't know No plans I, I, I love that idea, Charlie Of someone just making a sandwich out of yourselves And that sounds romantic For whatever least... reason in my head I thought you guys would be naked though Like so it's just someone's ass is just if you uncover the grave and boom Just <laughs> Yes. Well, all skeletons are naked, Sam. That's the beauty of a skeleton. <laughs> Unless the skeletons are run by Disney and then they all wear clothes, but skeletons are known for being naked. 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 Well, Although, if they wanted to dress us in weird clothing to mess with the archaeologist, that'd be fun too. Like a yeah, bronze I, no, but belt I mean, when, and a helmet. You... <laughs> you be buried with clothes and then your skeleton is going to have the clothes on so yeah but the clothes rot so the clothes rot chain mail chain mail that would be cool they'd chain be like mail. what is going on with this couple like we found there was like a wooden statue of like a leg and then there was two people and they were they're facing each other so were they having some sort of grappling fight and, you know, you know, in the history books, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm sure when skeletons, they... they must have been good friends. I'm sure when they radiocarbon date you, they're going to they're going to work it out. These people were fucking with us. They're going to know. They're going to know. <laughs> no, but like I could wear like a centurion's helmet and then like a Viking. Oh, my God. You're going to look like horn. a flipping extra from Xena Warrior Princess, aren't you? I'm living for it, man. Chakram in the bottom. They'll be like, what was going on? What on earth? I just want to fuck with archaeologists. Dig me up. Make your life a misery. Write your thesis on me. You'd be lost. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> Chummy's in the chapel with a dead mum. Monica Joan arrives and says she had hoped that Chummy nursing her mother in her final days would have helped um, with Chummy's sadness and grief but Chummy says she's struggling to let go of her mum's ashes because she doesn't know where to put them and um, not in a biscuit tin Chummy that's that's where you should start get a nice ornament or something stick it in your or an urn they do think they do receptacles for cremation or cremated people yeah do you know it's funny actually it's not funny when my um, my brother had never been to a funeral before and my grandma died um earlier this year and she was cremated and um it's horrible you know when you're in the cremation thing and you press the button it's like ee -ee, and then the curtains come round. <laughs> yes but because it <laughs> really was COVID, squeaky. really like and i said to my brother i'm like, like say goodbye to grandma because that's the last time you're gonna like this is this is the last moment my brother's like okay and then we came out 
and um because it was covid it was like a there was only like 10 of us and we're all standing outside and the undertaker comes out and says to my auntie who's the eldest sibling so she's the one that gets all the stuff gives her the paperwork and a teeny tiny box like a, mm. like a ring box and my brother comes up to me all shifty and goes is that grandma and I was like, <laughs> the curtain closed five minutes ago like, <laughs> what no i was like first of all that's a tiny box and secondly what sort of cremation <laughs> But I told my dad and all of us were just pissing ourselves <laughs> in the background. <laughs> my brother was like, it might have been her. And I was like... <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> really cheered us all up. Um, uh, so, yeah, new scene. Barbara visits Maureen, who has collapsed because she's vomited so much. Um, and she puts her in the recovery position and says, Maureen, you will see a doctor now. Probably best, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Um, see. Uh, Phyllis answers a call from Mr. Dylan, who says that he thinks his wife's labour has begun. And Phyllis goes, hmm, Dylan, then looks in her book and goes, ah, oh, the little deaf and dumb lady. Fuck. <sighs> oh. oh. It's so patronising. Like, just mm. the whole, like, the little. Why is she little? Yeah. She's a mother like anyone else. Like, you're going to go, oh, yeah, the little lady. No, you wouldn't, would you? It's just no. this really patronising thing. And being so deaf. disrespectful. Like, you talk to deaf people, they're so like, proud. Like, deaf pride is on a whole other level. Like, a lot of them are like, we're fucking blessed to be deaf because we haven't got to listen to all your shit. Um, <laughs> like, they're not disabled in any other way. And it's for some of them, it's not even something they would class as a disability. So the whole, mm. like, little dumb and deaf, like, ugh. It got the hackles up. It's just a language as well, isn't it? Yeah. They're antiquated. Yeah, I, I know it's historically accurate for the period, but it's yeah. just so anachronistic non- now to our ears, isn't it? It's really shocking sometimes when they say stuff, and you know that that would have been the term they used at the time. But, yeah. like, for me, I'm like, no. Um... So Dr. Turner arrives and says that Maureen's suffering from something called hypergravidorum, which isn't that what Prince William's wife? Yeah, Catherine Cambridge, had. yeah. Yeah. She had it really she had bad, that with all she? of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, Dr. Turner says she's severely um, dehydrated due to all the vomiting and she needs fluid stat. Um, Cynthia sees Mrs. Dillon, who it turns out she's just having Braxton Hicks. So it's a false labour and it's not started quite yet. So Cynthia explains that to her in sign, which I love. Um, And then June starts to cry and she's really quite distressed. And um, she says that she really wants to see her baby because she can feel him kicking. She knows that he's there, but, you know, she's frightened for what their relationship's going to be. Because if he's deaf, she's worried that he's going to miss out and it's going to affect his life. But if he's hearing, then they may not be able to connect and she may not be able to have that relationship. Like her child might not be able to communicate with her and she's, and it must be so hard. Like, because I'm assuming she must be profoundly deaf because she doesn't speak. So it's really sad. Um, Next scene, Chummy's awake at night and sees my, I like the fact that these two are are doing a right double act this episode. It's always MJ and (laughs) Chummy. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
Chummy wakes up, sees Monica Jones sat under like three blankets. Um, and she says that the boilers died because Fred's love has meant that he's um, he's unable to do his duties because he's really sad um, since Vi dumped him. Um, and Monica Jones like, and yes, but if he came here and found me as an icicle, he would also be even sadder. I'm like, Monica Jones, babe, not all about you, though, is it? To be fair, though, it is her life. And if you're not the yeah. star of your own life, then what are you? So it is all about her, isn't it? Okay. Uh, it is, yeah. It's the Monica Jones show. Um, I mean, the I'm scene... the star of my life. And if somebody told me it's not all about you, I'm like, hang on. Yes, it is. <laughs> of course it is. It's my life. Like, if you ring someone, do you leave a voicemail like, what on earth are you doing? What could you be doing that was more important than waiting for my call? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, New scene. Maureen's now staying at the mother and baby's home and because she's so poorly, she needs regular fluids in order to stay healthy. Um, she says that she's really worried about her son. Sheila explains that her son is going to have to go into social services um, while she's in hospital um, because obviously she can't care for him and she mm. needs to stay until they can um, sort her out. And she's really worried about this. She feels like she's failed as a mother and she mm. needs to be strong, but she's so poorly and she hasn't got anyone to help her. And it's just really sad. There's just a lot of... Just this episode generally made me feel very sad. There's, there's a whole vibe throughout this. It's just sad people being sad, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It's a sad, sad situation. <laughs> I can't remember the rest of it. So um, Fred is hovering by Violet's shop, but he can't go in. He's like, I love her, but from afar. Um, Chummy sees him and kind of goes, Fred. And Fred ignores her and like pulls up his hat, bobble hat. Um, (laughs) There's a cupcake scene. They move in together. New scene. Chummy visits Fred. (laughs) It feels Um, really weird doing this. (laughs) Like just ignoring all the pupcake, like yeah. Um, Chummy visits Fred, who's in his desk, and he's in the dark. Like if this was modern, he'd be sitting in his pants eating ice cream, wouldn't he? Yeah, just a, just yeah. a bad breakup. Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, he's like two pints deep, going for his third Oof. pint. Wow, crying, watching beaches. Beaches. What's beaches? Sat- beaches. What's Beaches? You never seen Beaches? No. Bet Bet Midler? No. You are the wind beneath my. I wings. know that song. <gasps> You've I've never, never seen, seen Be- Beach. Right. No. Your homework is to go and watch Beaches. I'm disappointed oh, in you. God. Um there's a modern version. They've just made a modern one. Have they? Yeah. Is I've it not better it. or worse? Oh, okay. Not watched it. The originals are always best. Um, Chummy basically tells Fred that the boiler's on the fritz um, and he needs to talk to his girlfriend and Fred's like no I can't um, he says that Marlene has gone to go stay with her friend because he's fed up with her um, Marlene is obsessed with the flat so keeps coming back to check on this flat and she's very focused and main, and it kind of implies that her big thing was that her dad was leaving his flat and she didn't want him to. Mm. Uh, back at Shay Turner's, um, Tim's cooked shepherd's pie, which is so like when you're 11 and you have to do food tech. <laughs> yeah. 
and you come home with some shit you've cooked like oh can't bet you can't wait to try these pizza balls or whatever it is they've made you make i wasn't allowed to use the oven so i had to make um fruit salad why weren't you allowed to use the oven because i was in the class that wasn't allowed to use the ovens really yeah there was an incident with a glue gun and a younger child okay really yeah i wasn't allowed to use the oven wow can you use the oven now i'm allowed to use my oven not allowed (laughs) to use my mum and dad's oven are you not no I feel like there's more of a story. I want to know it. Um, Sheila says, oh, Patrick, are you sure there's no... I can't. I always go Irish. I need to be Scottish. Basically, she says, are there any medications that can be used for anti-sickness? And uh, Dr. Turner goes, oh, I'm sure. I saw one of the drug people peddling an anti-sickness. Um, I'll, ha- I'll get on it and have a look. Good th- thinking, Sheila. And they, like, high-five. And then Tim comes in. They all put their hands in a circle. And they're like, woo turn a team uh kumbaya new scene uh julia have their first night in the flat next scene after that the turners are looking at all of their medication um and patrick is like aha i found the answer to all of our troubles eureka excellent nothing can go wrong Scene after that is a pupcake scene where they leave the flat. Delia takes the bike. Then it's Delia versus Carr. Um, <laughs> after she's been hit by the car, <laughs> Winnie um, sees the scarf that's been left. And she immediately thinks that it's Patsy and she panics. After that, it's Patsy calling the hospital um, but not able to get through. Chummy then has a cup of tea with Marlene and Fred. Um, trying to like negotiate mediate she's mediating isn't she mediating i think mediation is an underrated tool mediation is very important you must always be able to mediate um do more in work yeah Mm, i think so spend a lot of time mediating Mm. um so marlene is very prickly um chummy makes it sort of confronts Marlene that maybe she's got herself into a corner and she can't get herself out now because of pride. Marlene says the flat is really important because it was the flat where they grew up and, you know, her mum lived there. Fred then kiboshes that and is like, shut up, Marlene. Your mum was brown bread by the time I got out of the army. And then we moved in here. <laughs> like, your mum never even lived in this flat. And Marlene's like, yeah, but we were raised here. And then Marlene says that after their house was bombed, um, she went to the rubble to see if she could find anything and there was nothing there and it mm. basically you know again it's this post-war world where children have lost parents and they have nothing left because everything was taken from them and it's a nice echo to other characters um, yeah but did you not feel though that it was a little bit trying to make I think she's upset that her dad's moving on yeah and I think she's making mountains out of molehills with these things she's using these as the excuse for her to be upset rather than and she's also like guilting isn't she she's using implied guilt of Mm. you know i lost my mum well you're 35 years old and look like a crazy like a gangster's mole you'll survive (laughs) um uh, so she's afraid of losing her history and fred's like 
So they agree that maybe they should do some fixing upping. New scene, Pupcake, Patsy visits Delia. After that, Marlene visits Violet. <laughs> um, and she apologises for her behaviour. She kind of says that she's done done wrong. And it was, you know... It, and Violet's very good. Violet's a lot more forgiving than she needs to be, really. Yeah, I mean, Violet just comes across as a lovely person this whole episode. Hmm. She's really nice. Fred's outside mm. waiting in his bobble hat and his um, working outfit. And Violet <laughs> comes outside and um, she said, so your place or mine? And Fred says, I'd live with you in a bin if it meant I could come home to you every night, which is so romantic. <laughs> As Chummy said, right answer. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. I love them. So that's it, lads. The wedding's back on. Um, then there's a ton of cupcake scenes so like Delia's forgotten who Patsy is sorry Um, Trixie's in on the phone she's looking proper depressed again again she's in really like the lighting it's always dark shaded light on on, mm, Trixie this episode Mm. um then there's a cupcake scene. Delia's mum says Delia's going home to Wales. Patsy's crushed. Um, next scene after that, June's in labour. Um, and her husband's present and they're cuddling and they're kind of like walk, doing a weird like penguin style dance. Um, she gives birth to a little boy. And I think Aww. it was really nice how they communicated this because obviously like she's she can't hear the crying. She can't mm. hear anything. So she like puts her hand to feel his head and it's just it's like yes um she signs to her son after he's born and it's such a beautiful thing because the dad is verbalizing it so if he's deaf he's seeing the signs if he's deaf if he's deaf if he's hearing he's hearing the words but the words are from both of them and i just mm. i love it it's such a good unit she says it was a lovely love... moment it is wasn't it it was really mm. poignant yeah i i had a little tear i'll be honest it was lovely um, and she says, she signs to her son to say how much they love him. And if he never, she never hears his voice or if he never speaks to, or it's just, it's lovely. She just accepts him no matter what. And that's a good mum. Mm. Seeing after that, Patsy gives up on her dreams. Um, after that, Trixie arrives. <laughs> it's killing me not to go into it. It's but honestly, killing me too. <laughs> Just quick, after that, Trixie is cycling home um, where she sees Tom. And Tom mm. says, you look tired. Fuck off, Tom. Like, be a little bit complimentary. <laughs> Wanker. Could you imagine stop seeing your ex that you were engaged to and it's all been broken off? And they're like, you look rough. You'd be like... <laughs> yeah. Feel better than I did with you. Oh, that's um, a good comeback. Uh, I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna, let me write that one down. Yeah. So Trixie and Tom are polite but quite distant, and she's like, "I've just delivered a baby," and he's like, "Well, I'm." They kind of do top trumps, don't they? Yeah. She was like, "Well, I'm off." Yeah. But you know, he's off to go and deal with a dying man, and you know what they say: one in, one out. The way of the world. But it's that setup with them that they've always had, isn't it? That they're the ends mm. of the spectrum. One is about life and one's, although, you know, being a 
priest or a vicar or whatever is about life as well they always always up the death with him he's yeah. always going to sit with somebody while they die or you know sit with somebody while they're in bed at dying it's just yeah it's always that he's the death position man. he's the death man he's the death guy um so trixie goes in goes to her bedroom which is dark pours herself a massive scotch um and just downs it like it's water oh i'm having flashbacks to shots night um she's then sitting by the phone again in the dark she's smoking and she calls the samaritans Mm. so for any of the americans who are listening i don't know whether this is something that is translatable or people who aren't in the uk but the samaritans are a suicide hotline which is still active today and they're really good like as a Mm. resource and actually you can volunteer to be a samaritan's helpline worker it's a really um it's a charity but it's a really fucking good charity um and she rings and she says can i ring you if i don't want to die i just want to stop drinking and i think this sort of highlights how in despair trixie is like she just cannot talk to anyone she can't get help and um cynthia hears her um because cynthia just be that way um and she takes the phone off Trixie and says, um, Trixie's in a safe space. Trixie then immediately starts breaking down because I think this is the first time Trixie has verbalized that she has a problem. Yeah. Because we've had lots of scenes where people have kind of said, oh, people know that you like her drink. And we've had mm. Phyllis speak to her and we've had Julianne speak to her. And yeah. Trixie just I think has never this... missed it. Well, I think this is probably the first time she she's realized herself just that you know, before she was still in a bit of, you know, denial, wasn't she? She was drinking heavily. It was affecting her, but she was in control. She was dealing with it. And it's I think this is the realisation where actually I'm not I'm not coping with this. I'm not I'm not in control here. I don't know, because I think we've seen in other episodes where she's you can sort of see that she's trying to stop drinking and failing mm-hmm. because she doesn't yeah. have that support mechanism in place so there are episodes like when they do the barn dance where she yeah. doesn't have a drink until Delia arrives so in some ways she is trying to quit but she just can't beat her own addiction I she think needs it, support yeah at those points it's more about a, it being Trixie stopping drinking for other people I don't think until this point she's got to the point where she realises she needs to do it for her. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's an interesting... It's a really moving scene. Like, mm. I think they played that so, so well, well acted. So well acted. And I think the fact that she rang the Samaritans, like, AA does exist. It's existed since, like, the early 1920s. It was an American approach. Um, it was actually the introduction of um, holistic care to mental health as well. Um, and... It's interesting because she would have been aware of AA and there would have been AA in London at that time, but she's called the Samaritans. Well, yeah, it's an interesting choice. Probably more accessible to her because the Samaritans... Because they've got a phone line. Well, because they've got a phone line, but also it might be something that as a healthcare professional, she's aware of more as a charity. It's possible, but also when you look at kind of substance misuse volunteer services and kind of um, places where people who have substance misuse addictions go to, it's always very like 
they're kind of characterized by they have an open door policy so you can go to any of them at any point and especially mm-hmm. when people are coming out of their addiction they may have lost their you know it's very common there's homelessness there's legality because they may be um you know there may be they may have done crimes in order to feed their addiction they may be homeless they may have had a breakdown of relationships so the social servicing housing they can't work so there's obviously petty crimes in order to fund everything and mm-hmm. They have no routine. Their routines have always sent and their peer groups will often be other addicts once they hit to a certain point. So it's always very opportunistic with substance misuse places. So you could walk in at 10 o'clock at night and be like, I need help. And you could get access to that help at that time. That's kind of how a lot of the systems are built. Not technically the actual substance misuse, because they tend to be very rigid, but more of the um standalone charity type substance misuse stuff it's always very um opportunistic and it's always they're always open because someone could be walking around at two o'clock hit rock bottom and go i now i need help but if they can't access that help at that time they'll go back and use whatever their substance whatever their poison is and you'll you'll miss that it's it's an interesting way that Mm. they kind of work it um so in the next scene, Violet and Marlene and Chummy are choosing hats for the wedding. Violet gives Marlene some hair ribbons as a hark back to, you know, Fred's ex-wife who died. And sky blue to match your mother's eyes. Um, Maureen is reunited with her son, um, having been cured. Um, and she tells Dr. Turner, thank you so much, Dr. Turner. Um, you've really helped me. Um, and what is that magic drug? And the magic drug is thalidomide. Oh, it's a bit like, um, have you ever seen the cartoon series Futurama? No, okay, but they do. There's an episode where they're going into space and they've renamed this massive ship Titanic. And because it's set oh. in year 3000, no one kind of gets it. So they're all sitting there and they go, what's the name of the ship? Because they go, the ship will never sink. And um, <laughs> and they go, what's it called? And they go, Titanic. And then it's like, da, da, da. and all the characters are like, oh, that sounds like a great name. What a good name. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of vibe. Okay. Um, um, and Maureen promises that she's going to tell all of her pregnant friends about the mi- the miracle drug thalidomide, the and they're all going to be on it. Anyone who's got morning sickness um, is going to be on thalidomide. Now, oh, thalidomide, God. which we'll go into in much more detail, um, but basically, when you are pregnant, especially in the early weeks, it's caused by HCG, which is human coronic gonadotropin which is a hormone which is released when you get pregnant. And the reason why morning sickness happens is as soon as you get pregnant, you have the very small amount of HCG and then you get pregnant and you skyrocket full to the brim with this drug. And because it happens so fast, the the nausea is a side effect caused by your body's tolerance of that hormone shift. So after the three-month period where it kind of settles, it actually remains at that level, but your body becomes accustomed to it so you don't mm-hmm. feel sick so that's why in those first three months you feel gopping because you're just swimming in a hormone you don't usually swim in so your body's like oh what are we gonna oh, do Vom- don't vomit because oh. it also affects stuff like ghrelin secretion which is the hormone that you produce when you're hungry um so a lot of the people 
who would be accessing thalidomide would be in their first trimester. Mm-hmm. The first trimester is when you your baby's formed. So it goes from a single cell organism to a fetus in the first 12 weeks. And after that, it just packs on the pounds. Like mm. stuff happens in between. It loses a tail. It sheds its fur. But the like... <laughs> seriously did you not know no babies are, yeah babies get covered in fur at some point and then they shed it all oh that's seriously nice. it's fascinating if you ever watch it from the teeny tiny cell to a, like nine months it's really cool it's like sped up um but yeah so all the people that would be using thalidomide to act to uh, stop um morning sickness their fetus is still being is still mm. developing, which is why you get the offset of thalidomide because it affected the gestational development of the fetus at that point. I read a really interesting book that basically explained that they can almost tell where in the trimester the thalidomide was taken because at different points it affected different aspects of the baby's growth. Yeah. It's really interesting. And so they like can almost fingers. pinpoint it. So like babies, they grow the heart and they grow like their arms are like flippers for a couple of the weeks. And then they they start to get these slitty finger things and then it all spreads out and starts to look like a hand. And so, yeah, if you were taking thalidomide at that point, no hands for you. So um, anyway, off she goes to go and tell everyone about the wonders of the thalidomide. Um, and everybody watching is like, oh, no, it's a car crash waiting mm. to happen um it's a really big arc though in the next series isn't it oh it's huge and I think it needed that because it was so it was so big it was massive I mean there's still compensation now isn't there being paid to people there are still people who are alive who are victims of the thalidomide and the Mm. victims of and it's not just here it's also in America it's in all over the country it started in Germany didn't it that's where Mm -hmm. I think it started yeah, but they they um, licensed it under loads of different names. Yeah. So although it was thalidomide over here, it had lots of different names. So they had to trace it and it was global. But also the fact that it wasn't consistent in how it affected babies. There were subtle changes and differences in how it affected them. It probably took a while for them to realise or put two and two together that it was the same drug causing all of these different issues. Yeah, because some people were just born without like, a part of their finger and some mm. people born with without arms which yeah. you know and that's all about how early on you're cracking open them tablets yeah. and the thing is like it's it harks very much back to there's so much we're gonna talk so much about the thalidomide when it happens because it's such a big story in the next series so we won't talk too much about it and then the final scene is Trixie and I love this scene I think it's shot again Trixie is center stage she's against a black background Mm. Um, she is the only thing you focus on she's not with anybody else and it just shows how alone she is and how brave she is to do this so powerful it really is and um, Trixie she's almost like crying she's really tearful and she says that she was the daughter of a man who drank um, who fought in a war and she would hear him screaming at night because he clearly had post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, Trixie says that when she was a child, only she could make him smile. And she could only do that by two ways. She could put on a show for him or she could make him a drink. 
Um, she says that she became a nurse and a midwife because it meant she could be with, for one, the first time in her life, she could be amongst a happy family, even if it meant at the end of it, she had to go home on, on her own. And mm. um, the only thing that makes her happy now is a glass of alcohol or scotch. Um, and then she does these things like where she says, um, do I have to say it? And it's kind of off camera. So it's almost like she's saying it to you, the viewer. Mm. And um, and she goes, my name is Beatrix, but everyone calls me Trixie and I am an alcoholic. Mm. And it's so powerful. Yeah. Like, it's raw. It's, it is. And it's uh, Helen George is just knocking it out of the park. She, she smashes this. She's mm. so good. And I think it's really powerful because, like, if anyone... So I have a family member who is an alcoholic. Um, and I think when you're on the outside of when you're just looking at if you see like at someone drunk wandering around it's quite difficult to understand the impact that any kind of substance misuse or alcohol has but especially alcohol um alcoholism it's so hard it's so hard having someone so driven by their addiction that they actually lose a lot of who they are mm. and so often people drink because of trauma and because they're self-medicating. And I think there was a study that showed that something like 90% of people who have some sort of substance misuse disorder had a traumatic history and also had comorbidities associated with other mental health conditions. So anxiety and depression are huge in the in alcoholics, massive. Like there is so much that when people go into Alcoholics Anonymous or they go into other things so often they end up later on being on medication to manage their other mental health conditions. Mm. And they use the alcohol to kind of mask it and to help with their anxiety. And there's this kind of belief, like you think about famous alcoholics like Amy Winehouse, who was also addicted to lots of other stuff. She went sober when she did her second, she broke up with her husband and then she went sober. She actually got off everything for about six months and she went and did a tour and there's a video where she's sober and the people the producers are like god she's so fucking boring now <sighs> like someone should tell that girl to smile because she does a song she does a dance and then they can't talk into her and she's clearly always been drunk before when she's had interviews so she's quite stiff she doesn't know how to open up but mm. she's sober and they go Someone tell that girl to have a drink because she is boring like this. That's awful. And it's like, because it, it's so difficult. And as well, if you've had that crux for ages, stepping away from it and having to be independent of your addiction is really difficult. Like it's a challenge. And if you're an alcoholic, alcohol is the hardest substance to come off cold turkey in fact if you are listening and you have alcohol dependency please for fuck's sake don't just come go cold turkey it's so dangerous people have seizures people die of heart attacks um people die when they come off alcohol cold turkey you have to titrate down the alcohol you have to work your way down because if you stop i mean if you go to a substance misuse place and you say you know i i drink a bottle of vodka for breakfast and a bottle of vodka for dinner um, mm. and 17 pints of Guinness for lunch or something like that, then 
they'll and they'll go and you go you know I'm gonna I'm gonna stop I'm gonna just not drink anymore they'll have you in they'll make you stay for the next week just in case you drop down dead and need to be clear because there's such a huge risk that that's what's going to happen um also I think it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff with alcohol that it does to the body for example people who are alcoholics often have to go on a compound vitamin b tablet straight after because their body stops being able to metabolize vitamins um and that stops for the rest of their life there's no real recovery if that's already started so a lot of people have problems with their liver um because of obviously the alcohol but they also have um what they get they get like a thunderbird walk um, if you ever watch someone, you know, like the old Thunderbirds with the puppets, you ever watch someone? Yeah, it's called Thunderbird walking. Um, <laughs> and anyone who's been an alcoholic for a while, it's basically affected the um, back of their brain and they end up not being able to walk and they get a Thunderbird bob to their walk. So you can always. Oh, my God. It's one, it's one of the spots. Um, yeah. It's, and also Trixie is an alcoholic. She will be an alcoholic for the rest of her life. If you're an addict, you will never stop being an addict. You'll never stop. You will always be an addict. And it's a really hard truth. Like if you have someone who's an alcoholic at 20 years old, they'll be an alcoholic at 96. Do you know what I mean? They will spend the rest of their life and it will get easier the longer they stay away from it and they'll embrace it. But those neural pathways have been set, like those endorphins, that reaction and when they're stressed, that's when you see, actually we see it. I like it in some ways because we see Trixie kind of relapse a little bit in later series. She mm. almost does it, doesn't she? And um, yeah. it it's it's really true to form. A study by AA found that people who go through the process, um, only 25 percent of people who go through AA are sober. Yeah, they get their yearly chip. Mm. And most people will have to go through the rehab process seven to 11 times before it sticks. Jesus. Because alcohol, well, any addiction is so severe that it's really hard. So anyone who is um, struggling with addiction, who's maybe listening and any addiction, you're not alone. And it is really hard. Like what you're trying to achieve is so difficult and you're very brave to be doing that, but please keep going. Like, your life is worth so much your life is worth you're worth putting that effort into yourself trust the process because it's hard especially like if you're a family member and you're observing someone who has an alcohol addiction it's really hard but you never stop hoping you never stop hoping that it's going to get better and one day it will um any other points no, I think you've covered it really well. So, um, Jenny monologue at the end, because it's the end of the series. Jenny says, um, it's hard to see what is an end or a beginning. Starting fresh sometimes hurts. Um, and then there's a big group scene because Violet and Fred have got married. Everybody's celebrating. Tom and Trixie are making eyes at each other. Um, mm. by the, while the portrait of our love plays in the background by Matt Marrow. And it's a really a lovely scene. Chummy scatters her mum's ashes in the Thames. <laughs> She's so fucking lucky it wasn't windy. <laughs> I um, the splashback. <laughs> do you know what? My um my friend's grandma died and they 
they scattered her ashes in the sea and it was really windy and they oh, um, kind of emptied this urn and it just went whoosh, straight back on the beach <laughs> oh in everyone's faces <laughs> so, oh no um, if you're scattering ashes just make sure there's not a high wind because do it close to the ground <laughs> Yeah, open it close to the ground, to the surface that you want to scatter it on and just hope there's not a high wind because it ruins the moment. Or just let the undertakers do it in the Garden of Remembrance. You don't even have to be there. (laughs) Or get buried in a funky position. Mess with the archaeologists. Um, Woodland burial, woodland burial. I'm voting for that one. Let the world eat your honey. Um... (laughs) I've been saying that for years. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the end of the episode. So have we got any thoughts? I just found this one a very upsetting episode. Even even take the pupcake stuff aside, that in itself is a very distressing, upsetting storyline. But just all of it. I mean, I know it ends on a relatively happy note with Violet and Fred, but it's like a Disney film where you have to go through all the bloody angst before you get to the happy ending i hate that just want the happy ending get that on a bumper sticker just want a happy ending yeah just want you know it has felt really weird not mentioning the pupcake scenes yeah especially as you've told us what happens but we haven't discussed it we will we could spend a good two hours talking about those scenes aren't we so yeah especially with the mystery guest as well yes our mystery guest it's not really a mystery (laughs) no if you were a member of our discord you would know who our mystery guest is because we did a raffle and um if you would like to be because there are other episodes where we're gonna have to split this i think um you could always join the Discord and throw your hat into the ring. We're always welcome, Ming. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's kind of that's it. That's it. Anything else to say? Neither have um, I. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's been a journey. Um, we will see you very soon for the Pupcake Extravaganza. So do look out for that episode as well. We'll be recording that in the next week. Um, and yeah. Leave a review. Yeah. Do Bye. it. Now. <laughs> Bye. 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 Cue the music, Sam. <laughs>